Payne County, Oklahoma. Welcome to the Pastors of Pain. Welcome back. If you're listening for the first time, if you're a member of the Healy family and you've never heard of our podcast, welcome, one and all. I'm Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church here in Stillwater. Normally, I'm joined by uh, our, my, uh, my illustrious co-host, highly energetic, uh, highly uh, prayerful, Father Kerry Wakulich, but we're kind of doing just a little, a little. Uh, we're taking a break from each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're, <laughs> but we're doing a kind of a couple of interviews. Last week, uh, I interviewed our new youth minister, Kira Ziola, um, and then we got a, a very special interview this week. And then Father Kerry's going to be back next week, um, interviewing one of his focus missionaries. So we're kind of, we did this whole big long series on the mass, and I think we still have more to say about the mass, and we'll get to all that kind of as we get into later into Lent and into the Easter season, into the summer and all that good stuff. But finally, mm-hmm. he's been here for like years, no, months. <laughs> um, but it's awesome to have with us uh, the associate pastor at St. Francis Xavier, Father Robert Healy. Good morning. Welcome. Good day. Whatever time Whatever it is, time you're people are listening. <laughs> exactly. So Father Healy came to uh, Stillwater <clears throat> last July, July 1st, July 1st. basically. And I just, I want, you know, I mean, so people have seen him and know him and you've been to confession and you've heard him preach and teach and all kinds of stuff. But there's just, uh, as there is with all of us, there's just a lot behind the scenes of kind of a a great story of faith and, um, you know, how a person comes to the faith and becomes a priest and all that good stuff. Anyway, so I thought we'd we'd start there. Okay, tell us, we'll start Father Healy. How did you find out you were coming to Stillwater? Well, just like any priest who finds out he's getting a new assignment, I got a call from the bishop, and it was in uh, late March, a year ago, and he said, hey, um, I'm planning to send you to St. Francis Xavier in Stillwater. I was at St. Anne's in Broken Arrow at the time, all the lovely people at St. Anne's. And Shout out. Holy Cross. I was, assigned, I was also assigned um, serving people at Holy Cross for the year. And so I was, uh, yeah, I got a phone call from the bishop, and he said, I'm planning to send you to St. Francis Xavier in Stillwater. Um, I'll be giving you a call back in a couple of days after I finish making the rounds, because he, he calls all the priests Lots of calls. that he's assigned uh, to, to, to new assignments, and then there might be a need for a change or a switcheroo or whatever, so he gives him a second call in a couple of days saying, hey, okay, so... We're on. Done deal. Yeah. Yeah. When you got that call, you were, what was that, excited, nervous? Did you think oh, it was coming? Did you think you had another year or two No, at I St. expected Anne's? I probably had another year at St. Anne's. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I had all sorts of ideas of what I was getting into in the next year in St. Anne's and stuff. Holy Cross. And, and so I think I was sad in that sense. Uh, this is my first. It was my first time getting a the first time getting move. the call. So yeah. I never, I never experienced what that was like, and and it was hard, primarily because I knew what I was. I knew I was what I was in. I knew I was out of. I knew what Saint Anne's and Holy Cross and what what that assignment involved, um, and so I didn't know what I was going to be coming into. I knew it was going to be great. I knew God had done all sorts of things I couldn't even imagine when I was. You know, when I first got the call from the bishop that I was coming to St. Anne's. And so I knew it was going to be awesome, but I didn't have any context yet. It was, uh, 
And so basically since coming to Stillwater, I've just been discovering what I was excited to come to Stillwater nice. about. Yeah, you never quite know. It's kind of one of the, you know, in the mm-hmm. priest world, we take a promise of obedience. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, if you if you ask different priests, like different, you know, we take we take we take promises to to pray every mm-hmm. day, and for some, you know, I think for a lot of us, that's that's comes easy. So for some, you know, sometimes it's hard. We take a promise of um, celibacy, mm-hmm. and there's times when that's you know that's like easy, and times when that's more difficult. And then and then the pro- a promise of obedience, mm-hmm. and. That the obedience part, I think a lot of guys that like kind of come in like, oh yeah, I'll go wherever I'm sent, and I'm, you know, wherever the bishop. T-. But then, like you, what happens when you really like where you are? Right. And then you get moved, and it happens all the time. I mean, every year when those when that when those priest moves come out, mm-hmm. there's guys in there who asked to leave. They're ready, you know, they're ready for something bigger or smaller or different. But then they're, in that group, every year there's guys where they're like. What? <laughs> no, no, no. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like leave me alone. I, you know. Anyway, so that's right. a, that's a hard that's a hard part of our life. I think that a lot of people don't. But I think, don't and see. I think that that whole aspect of obedience that, yeah, it's hard in its own way, but it's also immensely freeing because you know as soon as the bishop called me, I'm just like, okay, that's God it. God is sending me doing. to Stillwater. Yep. I don't know why. Yep. I don't know what He's got in mind, but um, I made a promise before God. To be obedient to my bishop, yeah, and now he's sending me Somewhere out here, else. and so, and then of course, immediately after that, I was in contact with you. Yep, and we were talking. We started making plans, and uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a great ride so it's far. It's hard to believe that it's only you've only been here since July. I know. I it can't seems longer it's than just, that to me, at least. Right. Wow. Okay, tell us about your your family. How did you grow up? You grew up in the in kind of in the Tulsa area. Yeah, I grew up in town. What did that in look Tulsa. like? Um, probably when I was in college, I when my family moved out into the country, out east of town. So, but um, I am one of six kids. My mom and dad, Bob and Adele Healy, are um, good people. Awesome. I love them. They're the best. <laughs> As has any uh, son ought to think, but I actually do think they really I'm, are the uh, best. They're the best, <laughs> and so I have um, uh, three sisters and two brothers. There are three and three of us, boys and girls, evenly matched. Um, and so, um, where are you in that group? I'm the third. Okay. Yeah, two older sisters, younger sister, who's a sister. Sister, she's. Yeah, a, we're gonna talk. We'll talk about that. We'll he has that. a sister who's a sister. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That doesn't happen every day. And then two younger brothers. So nice. And uh, where do they live? Every people are they're kind of all over. Well, uh, yeah, my oldest sister's in Indianapolis. Her husband teaches pediatrics at uh, at the Catholic Medical College there in in Indianapolis. Um, my other older sister lives in town in Tulsa with her family. Um, younger sister is in the Carmelites up in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is amazing. Again, we'll get to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Younger brother who's Married and and uh, uh, got a young family, is in uh, uh, out in Enid. Right next door. So he's door. actually yeah. pretty nearby. Close by. This yeah. is fun. And then my youngest brother is is uh, living adjacent to my parents and uh, working with my dad, and it's really good. That's so. awesome. Tell everybody what your dad does. This is a fascinating. My uh, dad runs Grill Blazer. Grill Blazer. It's a. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. GrillBlazer.com. It's basically a gun that shoots fire. 
which is so cool. <laughs> what is <laughs> the practical purpose? The practical, of this? Pur- practical purpose of it is starting a charcoal grill. Um, like most people who cook with charcoal, use a chimney, a charcoal chimney, and it takes forever. Or they pile the charcoals up and they pour lighter fluid all over yeah. it, which is yeah. This is a more efficient way of. So yeah, no, my dad basically just with this product, you're able to just put the coals where you want them in the in the grill. And then light them up, and in two minutes have the food, <laughs> have the meat cooking, and you don't have the. So it's really cool. This episode of Pastors of Pain is brought to you by GrillBlazer.com. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I just think I think that's anyway. It's that's, fun. That's it's one thing to have it. Uh, and he a, like uh, invented it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, he had he had kind of adapted a weed torch to make it make it and make it do what what he does and developed this method of grilling and then he said you know do you think we you that's could? so interesting there was one time it literally was one day that my brothers and my brother-in-law and i we were all sitting around talking <laughs> with my dad and he said you know you see me do this every time i go out to grill i start to grill like this and in two minutes i've got the meat on the grill um do you think i could market that and we're like yeah you totally could, but Dad, you gotta you make it look it like death. a gun. Because <laughs> it'd be so cool. Yeah, that's gotta be part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, tell us about your kind of just your family life growing up, your schooling. Yeah, what I did was, the, I was what did homeschooled. The, what did the Healy home look like? I was homeschooled K through 12, uh, along with all my siblings. We were all homeschooled, which is like people think, man, your parents were, must have been really. Sure. I mean, I'm, I don't think it was easy. It was hard, you know, hard work and everything. But also one of the things you realize is that by the time you're in fourth grade, third or fourth grade, you're doing the stuff. You're just reading a book, doing the things that you're supposed to do. Um, I was truly homeschooled. I wasn't just dis- distance learning, internet studying and stuff. I was, we had our curriculum, we had our books, we had our stuff we had to do. Do the next module. In science or and whatever, just keep going, yeah. And just keep going, yeah. and so by especially by the time I got to, to high school, I was, I was, I was doing my own study. I would come to my mom when I had questions. I had stuff most of the time. She's working with one of my younger siblings, so um, you know, just pop in when I have a question. We had a school room, yeah. And we had desks and yeah, it was just like an environment we could Love just it. study. Love it. So but you finished high school, and then... Yeah. And then I went to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. You're a big fan. What? what? You're, a, you're a big fan. He's a big fan Ravens. of Benedictine. Yeah, I love Benedictine. Tell us about that, your, your four years there. Really, really good. I, was, um, I studied English and history with an eye to be a teacher. I kind of had... When I was in high school, I, I uh, kind of hit, hit this um, fresh theme of, like, I was... I really was passionate about history, about English, and, and kind of in the grammatical communication aspect of it, but also in the storytelling and the creative writing. I was engaged in, in uh, writing one-act plays and, and stuff. And when I was in college, I, I wanted to kind of take that to the next level. So I wrote a musical when I was in college. I remember that. And, yeah. uh, and put it on with some friends, and it was really cool. It was really fun. But um, so anyway, while I was in college, I was kind of really thinking of um, being a teacher. And uh, I got involved in all sorts of things. Benedictine um, 
because it's a good Catholic college and it's not, uh, you know, one of the things that was a deciding, deciding factor for me when I was, um, when I went up there to visit, it was like, they were, they said, we're unapologetically Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic to come here. You don't have to be Catholic to graduate. It's not like we're... Not a faith test. Right. Yeah. But we're not trying to create a bubble either. We're 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 just we're going to be apolo- unapologetically Catholic. We are who we are, and um, yeah. and love it. And so, you know, we have to study. You have to study some philosophy and some theology as part of the core curriculum of the school. Um, and and then there's just the broad um, variety of people who come there. Some people who come there for sports. You know, they've got a good football team, good soccer programs. Um, our uh, our ladies soccer. When I was there, we're we're really doing yeah super all all the sports were doing really yeah. well, but they were doing extremely well. Um, part of the best thing, one of the, I would really have to say, one of the best things about Benedictine College is President Minnis. Yeah, a, Stephen Minnis is Stephen there. Stephen Minnis, as yeah. as a president of the college, he he really loves the students, and they know it. And every first day of classes. Um, he's standing on the Raven Walk, which is the big long staircase that goes up from the student union up to the academic buildings and greeting the students by name. Um, man of great faith, great love for Our Lady, and, um, and great love for his students. And when I got ordained, he came to my... I remember that. Yeah, yeah he was he there. He came to my ordination. Yeah. So that was, That's wild. was very meaningful. So speaking on the, on the priesthood front, when was that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember we, Father, Father Healy and I first met I was a seminarian, mm-hmm. and you were a teenager. A older boy in my parish. And the Healy brothers were sort of these, these. they were always just serving Mass at the cathedral. Mm-hmm. So I'd come home from, you know, break on seminary and go to the, you know, the midday Mass at Holy mm-hmm. Family. And there were the Healy's, you know, right. just kind of around. And part of the benefit of being homeschooled, we, we were You really were there every day. Yeah, just about every day. We could be there every day. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. serve all the time. If there was a special something... Um, didn't have to try to fit it somehow into my get like out of school, and I mean, yeah, right. you were you were you were there. So when, when kind of priesthood wise, when was that first on your mind, and then when did it really crystallize? Well, I first wanted to be a priest, I think, when I was seven. <laughs> I mean, I played, I, I played mass with my siblings. We figured out how to put it together, everything we needed by way of didn't I didn't have at the time like some uh, genuine little mass kit like they have nowadays. They have these yeah, beautiful can, mass like, kits. They're just yeah. wonderful. They've got a, a beautiful little chalice and saborium and patent and everything. You know, you can have the whole get up. Well, I, I had to kind of come up with everything. But we still, we would still Scour play mass. Scour the kitchen for... Take tortillas and cut them into circles <laughs> with... Uh, no, with e- really Easter eggshells. Easter eggshells make the perfect, oh. you know, those little plastic Easter eggs. They make the perfect round circles and... <laughs> you know, very nice. like we were very creative about it. Yeah, but yeah. We just loved it, and uh, so I, uh, I would say I, I wanted to be a priest from a young age. In fact, um, one of our seminarians, Robert Williams, he and I were really good friends growing yeah, up, yeah. and we we were always talking about like, what what if the end of the world's coming when we were when we're priests one day and blah 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 and. <laughs> you know, underground sort of stuff and like now we you're were, a priest he's going to be a and priest and he's studying for the priest and, he's and the end closed. of the world is you know maybe right around right the corner, around the corner. So. <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get your wish you know hey but it was 
so anyway, from my youth, I, I would say from a young age, I wanted to be a priest. Um, when I was in high school, I was really, uh, I still had that on the, on the, you know, back burner. It was still something that I was open to. As I was applying to Benedictine, I, I had, I'm still open. I'm open to the priesthood, thinking about the priesthood. But I really had kind of gotten a wind of, of uh, teaching and, um, you know, largely because I, um, I, I was so passionate about history and so passionate about the English language and the communication of, of not just one's thoughts, but of who one is and, and, and the story, the narrative of, of uh, or just who we are. Yeah. You know, there's sorts of things that I wanted to teach that. I wanted to um, be a high school teacher was my plan. Sure. But then kind of during college, I got involved in the Koinonia retreats. I got involved in, I was involved in all sorts of um, uh, stuff as a student leader. Um, but yeah, it was the summer before my senior year that the Lord kind of hit me between the eyes. Said, Let's and go. said, hey, what are you, what are you planning after college? Because all that time I've been kind of preparing to, but as I was, as I was kind of putting things together toward, you know, where would I teach? How do I get the, the, the priesthood was coming on pretty, I would say, full throttle. Yeah. And so at the end, uh, basically through my senior year, I, I wrestled with, with the idea, very much afraid to tell friends, like, hey, I'm thinking about being a priest because I didn't want them to start calling me Father Robert now. Like, hey, you know. There's the priest. Like, oh, I'm still praying about it. Like, yeah. I'm not committed to something. Yeah. Um, and at times that made me kind of extra hesitant and... Um, but yeah, it was really, uh, during my senior year, by the end of, of the year, I, I knew I was going to seminary. I was in application wow. and I told all my friends about it. And, um, there were about 16 people out of my class. That's amazing. Who went to, wow. who went to convents or, 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 or seminary. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, to religious orders. Love that. Did you look at, um, so obviously you're a diocesan priest, a priest of the Diocese mm -hmm. of Tulsa. Did you look at, was were religious orders, was that like a, uh, a possibility? They were, they were a possibility, but I think my heart always, I always knew that either I wanted to be a father of a family or I wanted to be a father of a parish family. I, yeah. The parochial experience, the being, being in the parish was really the only option in my opinion. I didn't, I, I, I invited, you know, the question like, hmm, should I be a... Could you be a Dominican, a Dominican or a Jesuit or, or a Jesuit or, a, or whatever? Yeah. But, but I was never serious about... Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, that. I think, when you look at, yeah, when, when, when people are, pre when guys are looking at the priesthood, I think most of us, I mean, I same thing as me, I grew up with parish priests. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. And then, you know, you kind of along the way, you meet some religious orders, but it was never like, ah... Mm -hmm. I just yeah, I want to be in a parish. And so, for instance, I do I know Clear Creek Monastery very well out in Eastern, part of our of our diocese, yeah. and they're, it's a wonderful abbey, I'm, uh, uh, Clear Creek Abbey. Uh, if you've never been, I encourage you go see Father it. Father Healy will take you. It's there. amazing, and every time I go out there, it fills me up very very much. I really love it, but I don't feel that I'm it pulled in some. Yeah. You know, there's no conflict because 
it's not my mission. It's not my. I love that. And, you know, within the church, it's kind of, it's very complimentary, you know, so people I think can Mm -hmm. look at, you know, you can look at like your siblings who are married and have families. I I do the same. And I'm like, I love that for them. And I can be around that. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not jealous of it. I'm not, I just appreciate it. In fact, I would say like married couples who are really living their marriage, the most confirming and strengthening of yes. my priesthood. Yes, I know you. Yep, say and the, the same, same in the same way that people right. can look at our life as priests and say, mm-hmm. "Well, I don't want to be one. Uh, I don't feel called to be one." But dang it, I'm glad that those you know, right. I'm glad those guys mm-hmm. have chosen that. So there's just that beautiful complementarity within right. the life of the church. So you can go to Clear Creek and say, "I love these guys. Right. I love this monastery. It's so good for the church." But without without having I don't any sense be one. of like, I'm. Rejecting this by yeah. in order to be yeah. a diocesan yeah. priest. Yeah, that it all goes. We need it. We need that all right. of that within. Yeah, within the life of the church. Mm-hmm. How did um, uh, so? Kind of tell us if you would just about your like your prayer life. What does that look like on a personal basis, on a daily basis? Daily how do basis. how do you how do you sustain your life as a priest? Which you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we know is is can be demanding. It it's very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, there's times when, I mean, we've had, we have lots of interactions mm-hmm. every day where I'm like, you know, you, we kind of have a plan of the day and then, mm-hmm. you know, then a call comes in right? and the day is I now need you to go kind of this off, person the, at the, off the rails. How do right. you keep a prayer life within that kind of structure? I would say that one of the number one means of that, not, uh, not only like saying mass and hearing confessions, um, has its own particular dive into into Christ, but it's it's usually just this small portion of the day. Um, I found that praying the bravery, which is something that we're required to do, of course, as as priests, is to pray the divine office through the day. That is a source of grounding again and again and again through the day. Um, there, I remember being kind of exhilarated the first time that I realized I was starving for the bravery. You know, like ah. What's wrong? I haven't prayed my breviary. Yeah, your day. Um, I mean, it, yeah, when you don't. Yeah. Your day. And so that was off. that was kind of like a turning point in my seminary formation when I realized like that I was aware that I hadn't prayed my breviary in a while. Um, you know, praying the the Psalms through the day with uh, kind of the extension of the Mass and the extension of the, the liturgical prayer of the Church throughout the day, consecration of the hours of the day. Um, that basically all time belongs to God and he gives us his time and we can, we can live like we think that it's our time and uh, I'm begrudgingly going to give you an hour back, oh Lord. But the whole notion of the bravery, the whole notion of the, of the liturgy of the hours is the consecration of the hours of the day to the Lord saying, okay, Lord, this is your time and I'm giving it You're all to you. You're inviting me to share in it, yeah. Right. And so I find, I find that praying the bravery is um, really rejuvenating. Also, spiritual reading, um, and uh, and the praying of the of the daily rosary. Um, I think that anybody who wants to become more serious in their prayer, in their life of prayer, in their awareness of what God is doing in their life, hands down, just like pray the rosary, commit to praying the rosary every day because. Um, there's so much life and there's so much depth uh, in joining our prayer to Our Lady's Prayer and entering into the life of our Lord day in, day out. 
Um, and so I would say that those are things that are primary. Um, I'm also kind of I'm trying to learn more, uh, not to not to try to just as a priest is necessary just to schedule in time. Like this is it's time to pray, but not to say well this isn't my scheduled time so I can't drop in and say hi. It's uh, one of the beautiful things about, right. yeah, working. I mean, living where we live. We have a chapel in our house. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the Blessed Sacrament literally right down the hall, right, all day. Um, and so, yeah, those kind of those those short mm-hmm. little moments of just okay, I've got a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Let me just go in, say hello, be f- be fed. You know, kind of that. I love that image of like mm-hmm. spiritual radiation. Just let the Lord love you for this brief moment and then and then out to the hospital and then right. back to that marriage prep meeting. And I was just recently reading something that I, I found immensely consoling and strengthening, which was our Lord, it was a moment in this book with our the Lord is saying, when you come to me in prayer, when you come to adore me in prayer, you don't need to be thinking something, you don't need to be saying something. It's coming and loving me just by being there yeah. and trust that in the silence in the moments that you're there, I'm working inside of you. I'm doing my work. Um, so even if you're just popping in and stopping, and that's a good like yeah, just to stop in the Lord's presence uh, and not to be doing something or going, going, going. Okay, I need to be on my next thing, but just to stop in His presence and allow Him to do something. I find that that is uh, is a good expression of what I'm. What we're trying, so yeah, trying what to we're do. trying to yeah. do. Yeah, what have been uh, some of your hi- highlights so far in uh, in Stillwater? Oh man, well, <laughs> um, the people. First of all, just like getting to know people, we our hospitality coordinator, Amanda Fiorazzo, is amazing. She does a very good job of of um, coordinating coordinating various different things, and one of the things she does is. There's neighborhood gatherings, as you know. Um, these are uh, yeah, we you know, just get just a bunch of people bunch who kind of live, live near each other, proximity, and have dinner, and have dinner. Yep. And so those sorts of things that has been really good, just for getting to know people. Um, I've been enjoying OSU sporting events and and music stuff at the McKnight Center and stuff. But uh, even I would say primarily because we know coaches, we know players, we see yeah. people there, yeah. and so. It's not just a sporting event. It's it's an opportunity to see our people, and and so I'm really enjoying just the personal aspect of um, being in Stillwater. Um, um, goodness, I know there's a lot more, but I so you did. I mean, yeah. I mean, the 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 sacraments that we've now right. been through. We're in the middle of Lent, so you're mm-hmm. kind of almost almost to a point of being here for a whole year. We haven't had an Easter yet or an Easter vigil, right. and but that'll be. And there are these moments that that make me very excited, like when I'm wa- walking through the narthex and I hear "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" for the first time. I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> we're go. here. Advent is happening." Yeah. Um, but I would say there have been so many highlights that are just little momentary highlights that I wasn't expecting. You know, when I'm in the middle of working on something and I get a communication from you. It says, hey, so-and-so needs to be anointed. Can you go? I'm like, ah, You're like, I'm in the middle of this, but this is, that's my life. This yep. is my life. This yep. is what I'm here for. I'm not here to work on this or respond. I know, love the like, line that said, "We, you were ordained to be interrupted. Right. You know? And those moments have been 
hands down the most powerful. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just in the, you've been here since July first, but you've done yeah weddings, baptisms, funerals, mm-hmm. um, English, Spanish. Um, that's been a newer a, uh, the Spanish part has been a newer uh, kind of uh, aspect mm-hmm. of ministry that you didn't have as much as right. in uh, in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Um, when you, I I feel like it's I've been growing in my depth of appreciation for that sacrament simply from the frequency of doing it and. When you when you can see the peace descend upon this uh, this soul yeah, that is suffering, that's awesome. And then two days later, you get a, uh, get word that they passed away very peacefully, and the family is deeply consoled and grat- grateful for your coming and all this sort of thing. And it's just like I was, I was the beneficiary. <laughs> I just yeah, walked in awesome. here and that's awesome. Got to experience God's love and mercy. So, and then uh, lots of confessions. Lots of confessions. We have so many confessions times here in Stillwater. I love it. I think we have, I think we counted it up. It's like 12 or 14 hours a, a week between the two. Between the two between parishes. The two parishes. That's awesome. Well, anyway, there's a lot more, a lot more to Father mm-hmm. Robert Healy, but that's, a, that's all we've got for a half hour or so. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll get him back and kind of talk about, uh, yeah, there's always just lots of good stuff. I'm so blessed to have him here uh, mm-hmm. and look forward to, to hopefully many more, many more years uh, working together in the vineyard here in in, uh, in Payne County. But anyway, pray for Father Healy. Pray for mm-hmm. his family. Pray for his ministry as a as a priest. And if you haven't gotten to know him, have him come bless your house. Mm-hmm. Anoint you. Hear your confession. The prayer is mutual. All that good stuff. And he's, and he's certainly right. praying for you. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. God bless.